today's podcast, joined by Wilji Heath from the digital team and Nick Friend from the Cricketer. Today we're going to be chatting all things Southeast Stars and we're going to be joined by Ailish Cranstone and Tash Farrant. And so last year they finished third in the South group of the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. And whereas this year we haven't got North and South group, so it's everyone plays everyone. So it's so Nick and Alex, what do you think on that one? Do you think it's going to provide us quite a different outcome? I think the strong teams will still be the strong teams, but I think of cases where and everyone plays everyone in counts cricket, but you'll still certainly have players coming up coming up against each other who perhaps aren't as familiar with one another as they as they would have been last year. With regionalised competition, you do just naturally come across each other more often, don't you? So I guess we'll get a bit, bit of that, and, we'll, and I think we'll get a better gauge of where the the lower ranked teams in each group are. I think we know that you probably have looked at last year's the top three sides would be Vipers, Storm, Diamonds. Probably fair enough, just based on experience within the sides and, and also how much those sides got to see their the England players as well. Whereas I think we'll learn more about Central Sparks, Thunder, Stars and Sunrisers and Lightning. I think we'll learn far more about them perhaps this year when they're all playing one another, if you know what I mean. I think in a shortened group when you're only playing three teams twice, you can pretty quickly get on sort of a, a losing role, as it were. And if you get battered by one team once, and chance are you're going to struggle against them the next time you play them. Whereas actually, you know, going from this time around, going from playing Vipers to, to obviously won it last year, to, to a team that had a sort of more middling campaign, like, like Sparks, for example, I guess you'll we'll learn more about teams like Southeast Stars. I think having the dissolvement of the groups it kind of makes it more like a World Cup group stage because now the men's World Cup is all, you just play each team once. And it gives stars an opportunity to perhaps play teams that they, if they'd got to the quarterfinals, then they would have played them then. So I think it hopefully will be a better setup. You then get games that even though it's not technically a quarterfinal, it's like, actually, this is a must-win game. Whereas sometimes you might be like, right, it's got to that stage in the tournament. They're already through, you know, so every game is just as important. Southeast Stars are playing in the T20 Cup as well. And that is split into groups. So that would be an, another string to the bow of women's cricket this summer. Do you think the impact has been of the last year on these teams and how they're going to look ahead to this? Because obviously last year we had the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy almost just thrown together at the last minute. And although it was a massive success, no one really had a chance to prepare too much for it. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You've got, I mean, at the very least, you've got five players or six in Storm's case who've, if you are on full-time contracts, you've, you've trained all winter. You'd like to think at the very least that those players would have benefited and, that, and I guess those benefits will sort of show themselves when the competitive stuff gets underway. I mean, you'd like to think that in the short term, at least, I think we'll see greater impact with the full-time the rest of the contracts in the longer term. But in the short term, what you'd like to think you'll see is that those players step up and are dominance. And initially, I think you'd, you'd like to think that you're going to see a greater, almost disparity between the, between the best players and I guess the, the, the less experienced players because they are full-time. And then I guess the idea, you know, in time is that that disparity they close itself up because you've got more and more players who are able to spend more and more time playing. So I guess that will be the impact of the last 12 months, at least initially. At least that should be the impact of the last 12 months. I guess questions will be asked if the five players who, you know, who are full-time professionals are, you know, are struggling for runs and wickets and, and you're looking around your team going, well, you know, you know, you're the guys who've got to be leading the way here. I think that would be interesting, that sort of dynamic of what happens if, you know, you don't get the sort of I guess the extra runs and wickets you'd like out of those guys were now leaders with their squads. 
this year, it feels like a sense of normality is coming back in the sense that we've got the Rachel Hayhoe Flint track, we've got the T20, we've got the 100. Whereas like last year, we all know 2020 was a horrible year and we can't fault the ECB for being able to throw this competition together at the last second. And like Nick said, having those five contracted players, it takes some of the pressure off some of the other players to constantly feel like they have to be performing. But we do have to bear in mind with the Southeast Stars, last year they had a fairly young team with a couple of experienced players. I think their youngest player was 16. So like the average age was like late teens to mid 20s. So it is very difficult sometimes to get those wins because they haven't got the experience. I think the other interesting thing there you say about taking the pressure off some of those players by having those contract players. I, I think we'll see in time they will probably work the other way around as well. Whereas, like, I guess the players that aren't on the contracts have seen the winter that the contract players have had and there will be a hunger and, and a real desire to, I guess, push them. Not not only to take their places, but for, you know, when there is, when more contracts do crop up or what the exact plan is with them. But you want to be at the front of that queue. And as you said, especially in a young team, in a team where you're going to have a lot of, you know, people turning 20, 21, 22 at the same time in the next few years. I guess there'll be that sort of inner sense of competition. Obviously, as much as you want to win together and as much as a lot can be made, I guess there is sort of that competitive element, isn't it? Where then you want to be at the front of the queue in your in your team. We also don't know how which way they'll go, I mean, whether they're going to offer more contracts per team or whether they're going to offer more contracts and then they're going to offer them to the best players around the eight teams and then then they'll sort of sort the, you know, the locations of those players around, you know, sort of dividing them up between teams equally. So I think there's definitely pressure on those players, an interesting pressure, sort of an opportunity for those players who don't have full-time contracts at the moment to take this year as a chance to sort of make headway and get to the front of the next queue. That's what's mega exciting as well in terms of both the regionals, the counties, but then also looking ahead to the national stuff because we've got that World Cup defence coming up and then there's the Commonwealth Games and then looking ahead to the T20 World Cup. So there is a lot of international in the pipeline. So this things like these regional setups really give, and the contracts for the younger players, really give them a chance to come through and prove themselves. 100%. And I think, actually, you could look at it and say it's slightly concerning, but this is what I guess is also an opportunity that if you look at that England team in a few years' time, a lot of players are going to retire at very similar times. You've got a lot, you've got a batting order that is predominantly around the same age. You've got a linchpin in Catherine Brown, who'll probably retire before that batting order, you'd think. Although, we, you know, God knows how long Catherine will go on for. But I mean, I spoke to an ask, you know, she was very focused on the Commonwealth Games, and perhaps after that is a natural, you know, would be a natural time. But I mean, but, but it's not so much speculating on her, but the point being that there is going to come a time where there are a lot of spots opening up in a sort of fairly short space of time. And because that batting order especially has been so settled for so long, there haven't really been many players have been given the chance to you know to come in. Sophia Dunkley's had a few chances sort of here and there, but nothing, you know, a few T20s in September in a bioscope bubble in Derby to me is not what I would call sort of a you know a grand opportunity to take a claim. Like but there is going to come a time in two or three years' time when, when there is a real, you know, when they are genuinely looking around for the next generation of England batters. So these next couple of years are huge, I think, in terms of getting yourself on on that list. I think for someone like George Adams is another very big year because she's perhaps a slightly slightly older demographic than some of the players they'll 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 assume they were looking at. But actually this you know this year on I guess on the subject of the stars someone like Alice Capsey who is weird who's so young but has been talked about so much already you know if, if you look if you were to sort of fast forward two or three years three or four years maybe with her like you know she she might just be at the right age now and the right age then actually to profit from you know from when some of those players do move on I spoke to Susie Roo last year before the actually at the end of the stars campaign before the final and she was really interesting on this because obviously she's sort of she's 34 but but she's sort of quite inexperienced in the sense that she's come back into the game after five years away. Has sort of come back into a very different sport, as it were, in terms of certainly where the certainly the landscape of the sport 
and but she was almost twice the age of some of the players in, in, in that team she was in last year. So it's a really interesting spot for you know for someone like her who's been out of the game, is back in it now, and obviously played for England. What I guess a decade, I want to say nearly a decade ago now. And having players like her around can only help. I think when Tash Barron, I think she talks about a similar thing. That sort of big, you know, that that sort of role model status, having played for England and having gone away and having to yeah sort of remodel yourself as a as a as a women's cricketer in this country. But she's a great example to the younger ones that you might feel like you've, you're in, you're out, but actually there is always that chance of getting yeah. back in. She's really proved that yeah. you put in that graft, you put in the time for play, teams like the Southeast Stars or your 100 team, if you're lucky enough to be part of that, or your mm. local team or anyone, you put in that effort, you put in the graft and it can really pay off. She's quite a good example of that one. And actually, Susie's a brilliant example, I think, as well, of how far the game has come, I think. I mean, she effectively, she left the game because, you know, beyond the enjoyment, I guess there wasn't anything else there. For someone who played, you know, for someone who played for England, she got from playing for England to suddenly, and she missed the central contract era as well. So she played for England, was out of England by the time central contracts came along, and then, then there was nothing there. But actually, she's able to come back and to be playing in an environment where, I know she's not on a contract, but still getting paid to play, still in an environment where it is much more professional, much more, I guess, elite than it, than it was where, you know, playing at grounds, you know, her home grounds, you know, te- I mean, technically speaking, I, know they, I think they can play a game or two there, aren't they? I mean, and it shows how far, I guess, the game has come that, that um, I mean, Tash, when we spoke to her, talked about, what was it, Trent Bridge, Edgebaston, the Oval, like some of these venues and, and I guess the, the quality of cricket they'll get because of it is, um, yeah, I guess shows how far the, the things have moved. And just earlier on the whole central contract thing, with 41 players getting contracts it kind of sends out the message that no England spot is safe so every spot is up for grabs yeah and that's always exciting though because then it pushes all your players to keep putting in their bit and no one gets complacent that way because you're watching these regional games and you see these players and oh you know she could be chasing my tail any day and that's something that's so exciting now that we've got so many women's tournaments going on that there is this pool of players that we might not have seen before. Having someone like Tash around that team must be quite significant for, for the rest of them. I mean, she's done what no one else has done since, you know, I guess since Central Contracts came along, you know, in playing for England well, well outside that that sort of zone. So, you know, certainly I imagine to be playing under is, is probably quite a cool thing this year because she's so shown, she's shown what's possible. You know, she might have missed a few games to be, you know, she's away with England. So, yeah, I think that can only be a good thing that they are playing with someone like her who's sort of, be, as, as it were, sort of been there, seen and done it kind of thing. Talking to you two, how is training going so far? Looking, as you say, a bit windswept, been out training this morning. Yeah, so I think, well, training's been awesome. We've obviously been able to get outside for the last couple of weeks with the lovely weather, which has been great. Hopefully it stays that way when the actual games start. But yeah, training's been great. I think the squad are in a really good place. And we've obviously had some county games as well where people are putting in some good performances already. So from my point of view, I think it's been really good. Yeah, I definitely agree there. It's been a fantastic winter. We've all worked really hard. And I think especially with the things that have cropped up and and the COVID stuff that we've had to deal with, everyone's coped really well. And we've still managed to get a really good winter under our belt. So hopefully that'll put us in some really good stead for the summer. In regards to training, has there been quite a lot that you've had to change around because of, you know, the, the standard one thing and another can't get that close to each other? Yeah, I think obviously before Christmas, we were really lucky. We were sort of in from November, whereas I know quite a lot of people weren't. But yeah, we've been really lucky with the sort of venues that we've been at. We've been at Beckenham and at the Oval, along with some other venues. So 
yeah it's just being obviously a bit sensible and mindful of the situation at hand because we're very lucky to have been training throughout the whole thing to be honest so yeah there has been a few restrictions but nothing too hard to sort of deal with in the whole grand scheme of things and so obviously both of you are contracted as professional players now Ailish you came in as the fifth member of the Southeast Stars as that do you think that's made a difference for the two of you? Yeah, massively. I mean, obviously, Tash and our other contracted players have been or were professionals before. So for me, yeah, it's definitely been a massively new experience. I left my job to join and become one of the professionals. And yeah, it's been a fantastic experience. It's definitely something that I really put a lot of work into. And I am so glad that I managed to achieve in that respect. So I'm just loving every minute of it at the moment. Yeah, like it's probably slightly different for the other girls they've experienced before but having said that you know it's a brand new team a brand new you know we've got brand new coaches in we're, we're playing at different grounds so I'm sure that there's a lot that is new for them as well yeah just sort of adding to that I think obviously me Brownie and Alice have been in sort of the England setup but still it doesn't make this um, any less better to be honest uh, it's exceeded all my expectations and yeah, obviously I had two years sort of away from being in any sort of professional program. So coming back into something that's really professional and done properly has, has sort of been a new lease of life for me. And then using Ailish as an example, someone who's worked so hard and put in so many good performances for sort of the last five years, finally get that reward of a contract is just sort of fitting. And it kind of shows other younger girls, but also girls who are performing that, you know, there is a step up and there's... A really clear pathway now and they can be a professional cricketer without playing for England and that's what's so fab don't you all agree about <laughs> trophy like it came in last year we had such a god don't know what was going on that summer there was this not happening mm. that not happening everything was being cancelled and then the ECB were like you know what we're going to organise the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. I mean, it might be a bit of a mouthful, but, you know, that's okay. Organise that. And it's really given a chance for players of all ages to come through, really, because Ailish, you're about the same age as me, like 26. It's been really great for people our kind of age, because you might think, oh, maybe I've passed it on the England front there. But actually, this has given everyone such an opportunity to really go out there and showcase you had last season, you had names coming out that you just didn't see coming through and you played in all Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy matches last year. And so do you think this is a great opportunity for people to really showcase what they can do at such a high level? Yeah, definitely. Definitely echo what you say about the age thing. And personally, training so much now at my age, I feel like I'm the best I've ever been. And maybe when you were a little bit younger and maybe saw as maybe a time's up sort of thing. But now, you know, everyone gets to train more and more year on year. The standard is just going up and up. So definitely for those players who have been around a little bit longer, to get the opportunity is fantastic. Like you said, the standard is very high. You know, most of us have played in what was the Kia Super League for, you know, the entirety of the time. And I think it was a fantastic competition. And with the overseas and the England players, sometimes the county players maybe felt like they couldn't quite push through or you maybe wouldn't be able to perform how you would have liked. Maybe the opportunity wasn't always quite there. So to have a competition like this where the standard is really high, all the England girls will be involved and you just get a little bit more opportunity to showcase what you can do and put your name forward for those teams. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, 26, still really young. You've got 10 years left in your age. <laughs> Talking of the different age things, have either of you spotted any youngsters that are coming through that you think she's really going to be a star yeah. of the future? Yeah, I think what's 
sort of scared me actually is the depth of our younger players in the Stars Academy but also the young Kent girls and the young Surrey girls it's actually quite quite scary actually but a few names sort of picking out of the hat is Callie Moore. she's in our Stars Academy she's someone who I've known for a while and she's worked really hard her attitude's epic I think she's definitely one for what to watch for me so yeah keep your eyes peeled for her and Tash, just on the fact that the South East Stars is both Surrey and Kent, what was it like to captain girls from both counties last season in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy? Because obviously you guys are a new team. Yeah, I think it's being sort of realistic. I think last summer, obviously, I knew the Kent girls. I've known them since I was about eight. So I've known them, obviously, for a very long time. And the Surrey girls less so. Obviously, knowing a few of them a bit more. But I think we jabbed quite quickly as a group. And... Yeah, I think the longer we're together as a team, the stronger we're going to get. And I think that's been probably the main thing for me this winter is being captain is getting to know the girls on and off the pitch, which I think we've done really well. And yeah, it will just be a natural process. But yeah, I think, you know, Kent and Surrey, now we've got a strong bond. We obviously have to play each other in county as well, which is quite nice. But yeah, I think it was just, it was the very beginning. So it was slightly tricky at times, just not knowing the girls as well. But I think, you know, the longer we're together, the stronger our team's going to become. Obviously, you had John Batty with you last year. Now you've got, you know, my boat in charge. Has there been much of a difference or have you sort of been able to, or has it been mainly sort of continuity from sort of what you started last summer and what you've taken into the winter and what you'll bring into this summer now? I think there's definitely been a difference just in in the fact, you know, last year we came together, like Tash said, very new squad. We didn't have the luxury of, you know, having any sort of winter training or a training period together. It was sort of, wow, we're right going into the matches now. So, it was a very quick transition into, well, how do we want to play as a team for this match that's coming up on the weekend? Whereas, you know, this winter with Mibes, he's had a lot more time to yeah, get to know everyone in the squad and really learn about each individual as a player, where they're best fit in the different formats. And we've come together and I guess now we've got a, maybe a slightly different plan for the summer. I mean, obviously the plan was always win and perform well, but I just think the time this year has made a lot of difference and we just didn't have that luxury last year so JB came in he did a fantastic job really enjoyed having him as a coach and I think you know credit to him that he managed to bring us together so quickly but yeah you know Mibes has just had the luxury of a bit more time this winter to explore all the players and everyone's strengths and weaknesses so I know you've done some work with Sunrise and done some work in the Women's Big Bash as well but you come across him in a coaching capacity beforehand? I haven't personally. I knew I'm quite close to some of the girls at Sunrisers and they were really saying how fantastic he was. So I was really excited in, in that respect, but I hadn't come across him in a coaching format before. No, no, neither. I yeah, just heard great things. And um, he's kind of, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're creating a really strong partnership. And yeah, he's just great around the group. The girls have really bought into sort of his philosophy and yeah, just really loving having him as our head coach. So yeah, it's been great. Coming back to what Alex was saying about being across two different counties and then you saying you get to see players from different areas, that's what is becoming such a great part of the women's game in this country now is that we have got such a range of competitions now. So you find it quite hard sometimes to, you have to go from like, oh, one day I'm playing with her, then I'm playing against her, or does it sort of add to it a bit? 
I was actually laughing about this the other day with Mice because obviously we had Kent Surrey at the weekend and, you know, I want to win as a Kent player, but I also want to see my Stars players doing well. So, so it's, it's a bit weird, but, it, you know, I think it's just part and parcel of playing for different teams and it's going to be the same when the girls go off in the 100. Obviously, you're going to want your team to win, but as Stars players, we want our girls to be doing well across the uh, different competitions. But, you know, sometimes it's quite nice to play teammates. In regards to the Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy last season, perhaps it didn't go to plan for the team as a whole, but for both of you, you seem to do quite well, and especially you, Tash. How did you feel getting recalled for England for the New Zealand tour, and did you think it came off the back of your form in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what was so great about it was that, I mean, it was very unexpected, I'm not going to lie, because it was sort of the first time that that had happened, being picked outside of the England squad or the England wider squad. So yeah, it was great. Like I absolutely loved it. Um, It came sort of maybe earlier than I expected, but I think it was just brilliant. If you do well in the competitions this summer, you're putting your, your name in the hat and that's how it should be. So yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting out on the park with the stars, um, putting in some good performances and just going from there, really. I was going to say, you've been asked this a lot, but I know I've asked you this before as well. Having done that now, having been outside the group and gone back into it and having obviously had two years out post-central contract and outside of the game, as it were, and do you feel as a captain of a team in, in the regional competition that you take on extra significance as, as this sort of symbolic role model, as it were, that, that, of what is possible? <laughs> I just think it's more the fact that, you know, I think it, I think I said to you before, I got some really lovely messages from girls in the regional setup who are, who've maybe been in the England setup and now aren't. But I think it was just the sort of symbol that if you do well outside of any sort of England games, you do have the opportunity to get back in. So I think that was sort of the most touching thing is that, you know, it kind of gave girls a bit of hope. Whereas in the past, maybe if you'd been in and then you're out, you think that you're gone, so which just shouldn't be like that at all. So, yeah, it's just more the fact that girls know now if they perform, whether they've been in the England setup or not, you know, they can get back in there. Are you still coaching on the side as well? Or are you, or, or are you sort of, have you had to put that to bed, as it were? Obviously, over the winter, there wasn't really any coaching. You weren't allowed to do any coaching. Yeah, in terms of me, I've sort of put it to the sort of back of my mind at the moment. Just I just want to focus on my cricket. Some sort of England A games coming up as well. So for me, I've just it's definitely something that I want to keep exploring. And obviously, Lydia Greenway, I like to do a lot of stuff for all of her cool women's cricket company. So I help her out when I can. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm just focusing on my cricket at the moment. And what was it like to be in New Zealand, which has obviously just done so well managing the whole situation this last year? Yeah, it was awesome. Obviously, the cricket was great, but also just having a bit of normality back, which I'm, which is kind of coming back here now. So it was just, you know, nice going out for a coffee and not having to worry about being too close to anyone. But yeah, obviously being back in the group was great. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it over there. Enjoyed being back in the sort of England mix. So yeah, it was great and it's potentially my new favourite country ever. I absolutely love it. What was it like going from like being able to hug people to having to quarantine for two weeks on arrival back here? It was it was quite weird. You were sort of quite wary about, oh, you're a bit close to me. It's like if you're just in the street and then you kind of remember, oh yeah, it's absolutely fine here. And uh, when we all came out of quarantine, we just had like a mass team hug because, you know, everyone had missed <laughs> hugging everyone, which is quite sweet. So yeah, hopefully we can you know get some crowds back in as well uh this summer and yeah have a bit of normality because yeah I won't lie it was very nice 
Back to the Rachel Hayhoe Finch Trophy. Obviously gets underway over the next few weeks. So last year it was split into North and South group and it's changed up a bit this year. So it's everyone playing everyone. What do you think of that? Do you think that's a better idea? No, I really like it. Um, I think it's something that we missed a bit last year. Obviously, the travel restrictions and, and things like that. We were lucky to be playing any in the first place. But I'm really excited for it this year to see what some of the northern teams or Midlands rather have got and to see where we, you know, match up against them. Obviously, the T20, I think it's the T20 that's done a little bit different in that there are groups, which again will be good. And then you've got the sort of the semi-final, final aspect. But yeah, I'm really keen to, I love, to be honest, travelling around and the opportunity to go to these other places during the season just makes it that little bit more exciting. I'm also keen. <laughs> I love a team bus trip. So uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Looking ahead to the beginning of the Rachel Hayhoe Flint, so your first match against the Sunrisers on the 29th and then defending champions Vipers not long after that. So what are your hopes for those first two games, do you think? What are the focuses? I mean, last season didn't go how we want it, but I mean, looking at our team and the potential and we actually beat Vipers in the warm-up game last year and we've had successful wins against Sunrisers. I think just where the team's at, I don't think, you know, I think we can go into those games with a real confidence. Um, we've explored lots of different things over the winter. <laughs> Players are looking to be really confident and back themselves. And yes, you know, like you said, Vipers are the, the sort of reigning champions. But yeah, I, I really feel like we're in such a better place this year. And we performed well against them uh, at times last year. And there's no reason why we can't go on better and, and start off with two wins. Yeah, I think same as Ailish, I think. For us, obviously, we want wins, but I think the most important thing is, you know, we've spoken about it a lot throughout the winter and we train really hard in terms of how we want to go about cricket, have exciting brand, and that's very cliche, but we have been working on that. So it's, can we transfer that, you know, from training into the games and be really positive and bold with how we play? So I think if we do that and um, players that we've got, we should be in a good place, but obviously all of the games this summer are going to be tricky, so you're going to have to beat your best to win, but we're up for it. One of the biggest takeaways from last year was being at Edgebaston for the final was that it was Edgebaston, but you had the, a quality of pitch that allowed for, I guess, for bowlers to be tested more and for batters to show off their skills. Was, was, was that the feeling among all the players? Definitely. I think that's so important because when you do go to that international level, the pitches, they're really good. Bowling-wise, you've got to be really skillful to be able to bowl on a pitch that really isn't really offering much. So I think, I mean, looking at our schedule, the grounds that we're playing, we're playing at Trent Bridge, playing at Edgebaston, we're playing at the Oval. So we are going to be playing on really good wickets. So for batters, that's really good. It means that they can play their shots, but also for bowlers, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be able to bowl on a wicket that's not offering too much. And I think that's what we want. For me, it's more just the trust element. I mean, you work so hard all winter. Yes, a lot of the time you're inside, which isn't ideal, but you can sort of play all these shots in a certain way. And then, you know, yeah. take a few years ago, counter cricket, you turn up to this pitch and it's doing all sorts and you just have no trust in anything you're doing and it's just a constant like battle of mm. like how can I physically score on this so just to be able to even show your your skills as well you know it's something that everyone puts a lot of time into so having the real trust in in those wickets in the grounds just makes a huge a huge difference hopefully crowds will be coming in soon do you think that will make a difference in this year's tournaments? <laughs> 
I think so. I think everyone likes to play with a bit of a crowd in. So, you know, people's families really want to come and watch them as well. If we can get crowds in, that'd be great. It just adds a bit extra to the games. When we are allowed fans and that into the ground, why should people come down and support the South East Stars? You know, we've got an exciting team. We're a new team. I think, you know, how we're going to play our cricket is going to be exciting and quite fast paced. And, you know, why wouldn't you come watch the South East Stars, to be honest? Just what else would you want to do with your Saturday? So, yeah, and we're, we're playing at really good grounds. Hopefully there'll be some good sort of hospitality vibes. So, yeah. Also, we've got really, really, uh, like Tash said earlier, not only have we got, you know, five new professionals, but we've also got really, really exciting other players and lots of t- talent coming up especially in our academies so it's just a really exciting time for not only you to see the best players currently in the region but to see what's coming next in the next five to well probably yeah three to five years so we're really excited so ladies what are you across all social media and how can our listeners find you and the southeast stars Yes, we've got Southie Stars accounts on Twitter and Instagram. So go and give them a follow because SE Stars Cricket is the Twitter handle for Southie Stars. Same on Instagram. I'm just Ailish Cranstone, full name on Twitter and Instagram. I don't think there is, there's not another one of me. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a, a, a Ben Smith or something where they'll be hungry. <laughs> and yeah, at Tash Farron, give me a follow, but more so give the Southeast Stars a follow on both of those platforms because you're going to have some cracking content yeah. coming out. It has been absolutely fab chatting to the two of you. Um, thank you for taking time out of your busy training schedule. Thank you for chatting to us today. And we are mega excited for the season to come. Big up women's cricket. Big up the South yeah. East Stars. And thank you so much for chatting to us. Thanks, guys. Massive thank you to Ailish and Tash for talking to us. And we wish them and the Stars luck for the season ahead. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at Hannity1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Oh, oh, oh.